I am hosting a retreat in Tulum, Mexico, in paradise this October called Bloom in Tulum. It's a five-day, all-inclusive, personal and professional growth retreat for ambitious, big-hearted women who are ready to step into their power with grace, support, and confidence. So my two biz besties and I dreamed up this magical retreat over sushi a few months back, and after lots of planning, it's actually happening. We have mapped out a thoughtful itinerary with lots of downtime to make the most of this beautiful paradise beachside location and also set you up for a powerful and memorable experience of growth. There's only 20 spots available and all three of us are promoting it to our full community. So that's like over 50,000 people. So I imagine the spots will fill very quickly. If you are interested in joining us in Bloom and Tulum, go to bloomintulum.com for all the details and to complete your application. Also know that early bird pricing ends on June 30th. So it's a really good time to secure your spot and save some money. I mean, honestly, like how fun would it be to hang out in person at a gorgeous, luxurious, all-inclusive in October? So head to Bloom in Tulum. That's B-L-O-O-M in Tulum. T-U-L-U-M. Bloomintulum.com for all the details and complete your application. Embrace the perfectly imperfectness because it's definitely not something to fear. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 253. Today, we're talking to Lisa Sugarman on being a perfectly imperfect parent. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast, now with over a million downloads. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields, Mindful Mama Mentor. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, and I'm the author of Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. Welcome back to the podcast, my friend. I hope that you are doing well as we enter the winter season. And I think that this is going to be such an important uh, conversation. And hey, by the way, of course, a great welcome to you if you are new and and a welcome back to my my dear listener who you have been coming and listening for a while now. And I love connecting. But anyway, in just a moment, I'm going to be sitting down with Lisa Sugarman. She's a parenting author, a nationally syndicated humor columnist, a radio show host, and the mom of two grown daughters. I'm going to be asking her about the stress in our lives and how we are wanting to do well for our children and, you know, how, like, this whole idea, right, that sometimes the more we push to get it right, the more off course we get. And so this episode is all about giving you permission to have your imperfections. My gosh, I have them for sure. You know, don't ever tell yourself that Hunter doesn't make mistakes because my goodness, she does, right? And so Lisa reminds us that it's okay to drop the balls sometimes, that we don't have to be perfect, right? You know, you're going to hear how we talk about how we have to actually step back and let our kids fail sometimes. And we're going to talk about how to handle homework at different ages, um, which I think is so applicable to the remote learning situation. Oi, is such a mess. I don't know about you. 
But what's happening in my friend group, as far as the suboptimalness of remote learning in my friend group, is any indication is a mess out there. Gosh. So we're going to talk about homework. We're also going to talk about this idea that positivity is a conscious choice. We have to choose. We have to practice, right? It's a conscious choice. So let's practice to make that choice together. I think that we can support each other in that. Before we dive into this conversation, I just want to uh, remind you that the Mindful Parenting Teacher Training, I have just a few spots available. I only have about five spots for this teacher training. It's the only one that's going to be offered for 2021. And the deadline is December 18th. If you are interested, would like to teach mindful parenting in your local community or become a coach in the My Mindful Parenting program, um, we'll be looking for coaches from our teacher training program. Check it out. It's at mindfulparentingcourse.com slash teach. You can learn all about it there and you'll see that to apply for a spot. First, you'll see a bit pink button to schedule a call and we'll get on the phone and see if it's the right fit for you. And if it is, we'll send you a link to fill out that application. So I invite you to check it out. I look forward to working with the next round of teacher trainees. It's so fun to dive into this work deeper with, with others. It's, it's really powerful. So that's happening. Mindfulparentingcourse.com slash teach. December 18th is the absolute deadline. The, may, the spots may fill before then. So do check it out sooner rather than later. Let's, uh, let's do it, right? Join me at the table as I talk to Lisa Sugarman. Lisa, thank you so much for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I'm glad you're here too. And and I like I love your the way you look at things. How how to raise perfectly imperfect kids is the is sort of your latest book that you're you're talking about. But I, I love the idea that it's it's okay that parenting is messy. And so I'm just wondering kind of like to start off, obviously your parent, you discovered at some point how exactly how messy this was. Did you did you have um did you have high ideals and dreams before your kids were, were born about like how it was going to be and and were they bashed to this to the rocks like mine were? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean I think that I think that my reality was probably something really, really similar to yours and to any other parent who's apt to listen to this. I mean, there's there's absolutely no gauging, judging um, that we can possibly do that would translate into the reality of what it really looks like. And you know, it's like when you when you are, are given a new food to try and you you look at it and it looks one way and you absolutely are convinced it's going to smell and taste a certain way and mm-hmm. it's completely the opposite of what you expect. That's parenthood you know, and, and things, things ooze when they're not supposed to ooze and they, um, they blow up when you absolutely don't expect them to blow up. And it's been, you know, it's been a hell of a ride. And and I say that in the best, most beautiful possible way, because as much as so much of my time as a mom, and, and now my oldest is 23 and our youngest is 20. You know, so we've been at it for a while and being, you know, being a parent and and experiencing all the things that you just really never expect, even though people are telling you all along what to expect, 
um, it's, it's still just been such a beautiful ride. And I think I was very fortunate to kind of learn, I guess, early on, just instinctively that, um, it was going to be very, very different than we ever expected. And, and that was, a, that was a helpful truth for mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've just been rolling with it ever since. Yeah. Yeah. And you, yeah. you talk a lot and you talk about in your book, you talk about the power of positivity and I, I love that of course, because who doesn't, but right. it's so interesting because, you know, the, we know that the human mind is primed towards negativity, right? We know that the human mm-hmm. mind is primed to like see these cre- human beings and see the, all the different faults and the flaws and the, and what they did wrong and what I did wrong and, and what my partner did wrong. And, oh my gosh, we're failing. And to really kind of like the, it's just this, this is our survival brain is wired for, for negativity. It's, it's like a Teflon for positivity, right? Is what the neuroscientists say. And it's like Velcro for negativity. So this coming from knowing that from this coming from this base of understanding the human mind talk to me a little bit about the power the power of positivity and how we can start to like shift ourselves from the the sort of baseline human reactivity and 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 seeing all the things that are wrong to to looking at things more positively you know i, I mean i think i think for some it's an awful lot harder than others. I mean, there, there are a lot of people in this world, and I'm sure you know your share, I know my share, who are kind of predisposed to immediately just track to the negative side of things. And, and, and you know, I mean, if you look at, at, at the psychology behind that, it's, I don't know, it's um, just somehow easier sometimes for, for people to, to dig into the negativity and to, to have feelings of, of anger or, um, or despair or fear or I, I'm not sure why it's like it's like that whole rubbernecking philosophy when you're on the highway why does everybody have to stop and, and look at the the car accident on the road it's just we're we're somehow in some weird way drawn to that thinking and you know I think it's it positivity in my own just opinion is a conscious choice and it's not something that a lot of people can arrive at easily but uh, it's it's absolutely a game changer, and this transcends parenthood completely. I mean, I know I know our conversation is centered around parenthood, and that's what my book is about. But just the the nature of being positive and staying positive, um, you know, is is that secret weapon. I mean, that's how we talk about it in the book. It's it's that uh, that bubble wrap for the mind that when you can put yourself in a, a position of, of gratitude, for instance, there's no other way to, to feel at that time. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to, to be in that space and place does take an awful lot of work, but I mean, at the end of the day, uh, when we can lean into being positive and, and teaching our kids how to be positive, it's, I don't know, I just feel like it's, it's a very unique kind of armor that, that we can take with us out into the rest of our lives, into our jobs, into, into academics, um, into relationships. And, um, you know, I mean, I think it looks and, and feels different the way we all arrive there um, for, for each of us. Um, but it, it takes a lot of work and, and it's, 
I, you know, I, I wish there was one formula that I could, I could say is, you know, is, is available that's universal for everyone to arrive in this place. But, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, I think it's really just a matter of um, finding what makes you positive in your own life and in your own um, family unit, for instance, or, or, or with your work, and then just actively acting on that, actively reminding yourself about that, actively reinforcing that every single day and leading with that until it becomes uh, just a way of life, just just your um, your inclination. It's like, you know, what I'll do every day before my feet hit the floor, simple, simple little tricks, my own personal life, I'll get up my eyes open. And the very first thing that I do is, is think about something I'm, I'm grateful for, who I'm grateful for. And that just kind of sets the tone um, for that positive mindset. And, uh, you know, and for me, it works. And I know for a lot of other people, it works. Um, but I think once we can all finally harness the ability to, um, to see that positive before we see anything else, um, that's, when, that's when possibilities are, un, are unlimited. So you're talking about cultivating kind of a positive mindset and positive outlook like in ourselves so that we don't get sort of like assumed by all the difficulties and et cetera, kind of just basically like watering those seeds of gratitude, mm -hmm. watering those seeds of appreciation and joy so that, you know, we're not, you know, our, our, the garden of our minds and hearts aren't, isn't like assumed by the weeds of all those other things that can really choke it. But uh, are you also, do you also mean like trying to sort of catch the positive in our children, trying to appreciate the positive there, like as, as a way of like helping to shape behavior and, and parent in general? Yeah, sure. I, I mean, I, I think we, we have to identify and celebrate those things, especially because parenthood is so different for so many of us than we ever expected to be when we kind of start that journey. And, you know, and I, I think it's, it's just such an important quality to flesh out in your kids, um, you know, or maybe rather the better word is, is skill set to mm. flesh out in your kids is that ability to, um, you know, to be nimble and to to see the good in the people around you. And even even if there's the people around you and the situations around you and the dynamics around you, even if your first instinct is something, uh, you know, is to, is to attach to something negative, um, if you can kind of weed through that and identify the positive characteristics uh, or of, in the, in the case of children, like, um, maybe a relationship that, that's troubling for your kids. If, if they, you can help them identify something positive within that that's worthwhile and harness that and grow that and, um, and teach that as, as a way of thinking, then, you know, your kids aren't always going to go to that negative place. They'll be more apt to, to look beyond that negative place and arrive in that, in that positive and more, um, you know, more enriching place. We are supported by Melon Headwear. These hats are perfect for Father's Day. They are built to be in and around water. They last five times longer than any other hat. 
They're naturally antimicrobial properties. It doesn't, sweat doesn't break down the hat. No sweat stains, no smell ever. It's built for the water. We tested it tubing on the Brandywine River and it was fabulous. It even floats when it drops in the water. It doesn't lose shape. It is amazing. An incredible, comfortable fit. Use code MINDFUL at checkout for 30% off your order. If you're trying to figure out a Father's Day gift, honestly, trust me, this is exactly what they want. Go to melon.com, that's M-E-L-I-N.com, and use the code MINDFUL at checkout for 30% off. Melon rarely offers discounts, so don't miss this opportunity. It is, I swear, the perfect Father's Day gift. Premium headwear, melon.com. Use the code mindful for 30% off. We are sponsored by Midi Health. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, vaginal dryness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. All of these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around perimenopause and menopause. And the experts at Midi Health understand what you're experiencing and how to help. Midi clinicians are menopause experts dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions. Medicare is covered by insurance, and with Midi Health, you can stop pushing through it all alone. Schedule a virtual visit to discuss your symptoms and health background in depth. You'll come out of the experience feeling heard and with a plan to start feeling better. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Joinmidi.com. Yeah, you, you train and you teach and you just offer as, as this mindset. Were, were your own parents really positive and seeing the good? And what kind of, what, how were you parented? How, what, it, yeah. what are the things that you pass on from them that, you've, that worked you know, I have to say, honestly, so my, I lost my father when I was 10. He passed away when I was 10 years old. So I had I had 10 great years with him in my life. And he was a, a super positive influence. He was he was my person, for sure. And, um, you know, taught me about movement and the importance of movement and the importance of nature and the importance of um, positivity in, in his own way. Um, definitely imparted that to me. And my mom, um, anyone who knows my mother knows that she is legitimately the happiest person on the planet ever that, that has ever lived on <laughs> the planet. She's um, just an extraordinarily content human being. Never, um, you know, she's never been bitter about any situation she's ever been in. She's always um, tried to to really just, be grateful for who she is and what she has and um, and where she is in, in whatever time and space she's in at that given moment. And, you know, she is very fully a cup half full, like her, her half full cup is always spilling out onto the floor. That's how, that's how happy she is. And she's just a very present person. And I think that, that that's, um, that's actually one of the biggest, I guess, the, the biggest, um, most positive things that I've inherited from her is just that ability to just be right in whatever moment I'm in and nurture that and and kind of suck that moment dry and 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 kind of exploit it for lack mm-hmm. of a better word. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know because you you can't go backwards 
you certainly certainly can't go forward. So we're we're really just forced by life itself to be where we are at the present time. And she's just she's so skilled at doing that and being that that present. So it's it's always rubbed off on me. And um, she just takes such delight in the, the littlest tiniest things. And I'm that way too. And my girls will always say to me that like, wow, you really do not need a lot to be happy, (laughs) which is for them. For them, it's thrilling because that's, you know, makes their work very light in terms of, you know, what makes me happy. But yeah, I think, I think those are the big takeaways from the way that I was parented. And, and, you know, they were always there to listen and always supportive and always encouraging. And it was always like, do what brings you joy. Mm. Um, You know, don't put yourself in a square space if you belong in a round space. Um, and, and that was always incredibly impactful to me because it just gave me complete and total confidence in myself to do um, whatever it is that I felt that I needed to do in the world. Um, it sounds like you had like an extraordinary amount of acceptance, like mm-hmm. acceptance of who you are. And, and I was thinking like they must've been incredible listeners and you said they, they listened to you. Right. And yeah. they, they accepted you. They weren't trying to make you into something else. No, no, not at all. And I was, um, and I, you know, I, there were t- times where I look back now on my own childhood and I think very deeply about you know, the way that I was with my mother and with my father. And I definitely, my father was very, very active. I was very active. I was very, very much a tomboy growing up. I wanted to be in the trees and in the mud and on the trails and, and, and playing sports. And my poor mother was just, she, it gave her such pleasure just to, to sit and to read a book. And, and she always wished that I would be the kind of a kid that would curl up with her on the couch and, and, and read a book. I wanted nothing whatsoever to do with that. So I was very drawn to just my, my dad's energy and, and how he was as a human being. And so when he passed away very suddenly, my mom and I were, were kind of there together and had to really just almost not even reinvent a relationship. We had to kind of develop a relationship because it was like typical, um, you know, I was 10 years old when he passed away. So it was typical like tween angst and, you know, no, I don't want to wear the dress. No, I don't want to read the books. No, I don't want to join the library's book club because I don't like to sit and read. And so, but as time went on, she just, just gave me the bandwidth to, you know, do your thing. If, if those things make you happy, do those things. And, um, she, she really just empowered me to, you know, to be able to kind of explore whatever paths made sense to me and, and felt right to me. So, and we've tried to do that, you know, with our, with our own girls, um, in that very same way. And, you know, so, I mean, so far so good. Um, you know, they're both, they're both couldn't, they're diametrically opposite as human beings, but, both have such, um, you know, beautiful souls and, and they're super family oriented and hardworking and loving and caring and all those things. So, um, you know, I, I think whatever I took away from my parents and gave to my own kids is, um, I hope it's working. It sounds like you had some good seeds, you know, it sounds like you kind of come by it naturally, this idea of like accepting who they are, you know, um, not trying to, not pushing like the sort of like achievement agenda, which um, 
I know that like it, you, you live in around uh, Boston and some areas where there's some, some people with like a huge achievement agenda going oh, on. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I, I know that's that a, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. Just My- that, well, there's, we have a chapter in the book about like, don't get caught up in the comparison trap. Oh, it, yeah. And for that alone. And I mean, we, we live, I mean, you and I were talking before, um, you started recording about, you know, where where we're both from and where I live. And and I live in a very, very affluent harbor town with, you know, multiple, um, you know, multiple yacht clubs and, um, uh, you know, an awful lot of old money. And it can be really, really challenging. Um, you know, lots of lots of Ivy League education happening with my my kids friends going through school and that whole process that college process and you know we learned really early on or at least we we instinctively felt early on that we just needed to let them do their thing because i worked in the school system for like 13 years doing a variety of different things and i cannot tell you how often i saw kids crashing and burning and just just um imploding under the pressure that their parents were putting on them, that, that pressure to, you know, achieve academically or athletically. And, um, um, even, even down to who they were spending their time with and, Mm um, you know, really kind of cherry picking what they believe to be all those right seeds. Uh, and it's just ironic that the, the harder parents push, the farther away their kids went and the farther off course they went. So I, I just saw so much of that, that I, I really, I couldn't imagine putting that on my own children. Like it's hard enough as it is. It's hard enough to be a kid. It's hard enough to be in school and um, try and figure out what you want to do and where you want to go and who you want to be and who you are. Mm -hmm. So the last thing in the world you need is for a parent. It's one thing to guide. It's a very different thing to impose your, your opinions and your expectations um, when they become unrealistic and they're not for your kid anymore. They're really for you. And, Oh, how does my child's success reflect on me? That's, there's a lot of that. I saw too much of it. So we didn't want anything to do with that. You know, and the irony is that all that like comparison and that pushing really comes from a sense of insecurity and fear, right? Like mm-hmm. it really is a sense of fear in themselves, of, and which kind of circles back to this idea of being messy and perfectly imperfect. This fear of that if I'm if I'm not perf- if I don't get this right, it matters so much, right? Like all I know at least uh, when my daughters were born you know, around when I had my first child around 13 years ago, like that, that whole, all that knowledge and research about like, oh, the first three years are so vital. Like I felt like if I heard that again, I was going to implode because (laughs) it put so much pressure on me that I was like, oh my God, I'm going to mess this up so completely. And my child's going to be a wreck. And it's funny because there's kind of like a there's kind of like a fine line there, right? Like there's a grain of truth into some of that. Like there are some things like we can push too much and our kids could be a wreck. We can, um, we can, you know, uh, you know, be too harsh and push our kids away from us and have them have childhood traumas and things like that. Like that stuff can happen. They can be, Um, mentally or or emotionally ungrounded people, you know, that, that is true. But if we hold all that, 
like it's this weird thing because if then if we hold all that and we say oh my god all of these serious things are going to happen then then we end up you know the the human animal when fe- feeling these threats of these things start has this instinct to sort of like to sort of hold on and control yeah. more right and so then mm-hmm. we end up sort of ironically going further down that path and so it's hard it's really hard to f- walk that fine line between like uh understanding yeah it matters and be like it it's you're you're you know you you have to like be able to let go and soften and release in order for your kids to have that um emotional equilibrium like that you want right and right, and right. it really starts with you it starts with you doing the work in yourself to let go and release so it's it's like a crazy you know there's like an irony there because there there really is a middle path that you have to walk between these things Lynn this time of year parenting can be such a fluster clucks you've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah. These last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, that's, you know, it's a lot like the work-life balance in the way that, um, you know, we, we have to find that middle ground to be able to sustain both of those things without sacrificing bits on either side. And, and parenting is the same way. I mean, I mean, we talk a ton in the book about um, helicopter parenting and bulldozer parenting and um, lawnmower parenting and and that speaks Whoa. exactly to, I haven't to what heard you're talking lawnmower about before so enlighten me on what lawnmower is <laughs> okay so it so helicopter parenting was really that that 
first phrase that was coined and that really just speaks to parents who are of course hovering over their kids and micromanaging them and and um really just dialed into every little movement that their kids are making a bulldozer parent and a lawnmower parent are very similar in that when you think about a lawnmower mowing a, a clear path that's oh, what that refers to so that it refers to you as a parent if you, if that's your parenting style you're just out in front of your child and you're mowing down anything and everything that could be considered any kind of um, an obstacle to them or a challenge to them or a hurdle to them and and what that does is i mean you we think we're making things easier for them and and as a parent we're we're all all of us are are hardwired i think on some level to some degree to try and make life easier for our kids sure. what we're doing by by making sure that the road is so smooth that there is nothing to trip on they don't know what to do when they trip they don't know what to do when they fall they don't know what to do if we're out there ensuring that there are no challenges and obstacles then they are completely ill-prepared when there are some, when they don't make the team or they do flunk the test or they have a conflict with a friend or they don't get into the, the, the college of their choice or, or the group or the club, whatever it is, they don't know how to navigate through that sense of loss. And so that's, you know, that's something that not all of us can be cognizant of every minute of the day when we're parenting. We kind of, we do these things, you know, just, on autopilot a lot of the time just because we love our kids and and you know we want to make the world a better place for them and easier for them but it, we're we're actually making life an awful lot tougher if they just have absolutely no idea how to advocate for themselves or how to manage themselves or negotiate um setbacks it's like um they're they're lost they're paralyzed so that's yeah. what that refers to yeah you're not doing your kids any favors if you can't ever let them be upset and be sad, mm -hmm. you know, like right. that, that it's like, we have to let them have their own problems mm -hmm. and have, have their own upset. So do you remember any times in, in your, any times where you, you had to let go of, uh, watch your kids fail and, and just stand there and see what happened? Oh, a thousands and thousands of times. Like, I mean, I can't even, there are so many that it's hard to just like, you know, put my finger on one or 10 of them. I mean, I guess, I guess one of the most recent experiences that we had like that, it, we had with our youngest who, you know, in trying to, to do what kids in high school who are heading toward a college life tend to do is you're preparing to go to college and making those decisions what feels right where do i belong what do i want to do and our our oldest graduated from um, boston university about a year ago knew exactly what she wanted to do was i mean hit it full monty went um as fully into the college experience as you could possibly get and just ran with it for four years our youngest never knew what she wanted to do didn't know if college was right for her, was petrified that she wouldn't get into college. She was never someone who was, you know, a very, very um, engaged student. She had some learning challenges, so it made things difficult for her. And we always worked with her through them. And she did well, but didn't, 
feel like she was a kid who belonged in college. But so we kept saying as much as we wanted to say college, you know, there is a college for everyone, which there's truth to that. College itself isn't for everyone. So we, she went off to college and it wasn't the right fit. And to our surprise, she on her own said, I want to transfer. And she transferred to try and find a different spot. That didn't work out for her as well. And she realized during that time, like, this is not me. This is not, I don't know what I want to do. I feel too much stress being here and not having any idea what I want to do with my future. And she said, I'd like to take a year off and maybe I'll go back and maybe I won't. And she took that year off. And of course, now the whole world is, you know, in a Mm. state of chaos with this pandemic because that it kind of the timing jived with uh, the pandemic. But she's come to that realization that it's not for her. And and we had to very actively step back and say, you are now 19 years old and you've, you know, you've gone through X number of years of school and and you know what works for you and what doesn't. And, um, you know, she wants to be an esthetician now. It's what she loves. It's what she's passionate about. It's what she's great at. It's what, it's what fills her up. And so we just said, you know what? that's what lights you up, then that's what you should do. Or at least that's what you should try to do. But it, you know, that was a, that was a hard one because, you know, everybody else around you, I mean, we have all these friends who have all these kids who are going to, you know, all these different colleges and universities. And, um, and we had to just bite our tongue and say, you have to do you. And she did. Mm. And so, I mean, so far so good. I mean, obviously right now she's, um, she's not in school because her program is is um, on hold, but she'll go back to that, and she's thrilled to go back to that. So, it's you know we we get into these places with our kids where we really have to be very judicious about the way that we push our agenda onto them. When we you know we we really have to pay a lot of close attention to who they are, who they're becoming, what they want, what's, what's important to them, and really just learn how to turn that responsibility over to them. It's exactly like, I know your kids are younger, but it's, it's exactly like that feeling when you're teaching your kids how to drive and they're getting their license. And all of a sudden you're in the other seat and all of a sudden they're behind the wheel. And they have literally got to take the wheel and go. And you have got to just sit there with your hand over your face and not say anything. <laughs> you just buckle up and you don't say a thing. Oh my God, you I'm know. biting my fingers right now. Too. I don't know, you're going to be fine. It's going to be great. You're going to be fine. So so to me, this is like a, the, a question that comes up a lot in the, or it comes up often in the, in the membership and stuff is that question of homework. Right. And my, what I believe is that homework is your kid's problem. Like homework is their responsibility. It's their thing. It's not your thing. Now, uh, have you, how have you approached that and, and, and thinking about that, that piece of, of homework? Cause we feel like, like, say you have a a seven-year-old, right. Who doesn't want to do their homework. What do we do in this situation? What what is a what is a parent to what is the right choice as you see it in that situation? You know, it's funny. It's funny that you that you ask that specific question because when I think about my two daughters and I think back to what I I just said a few minutes ago about how completely different they are as human beings, that difference extended right straight through to how they were in school and then and. and 
um, the kind of students they were. And obviously, you know, no two kids are the same. Everybody learns in a different way. Um, people have different aptitudes. And as I said before, my youngest had some learning challenges. So homework and school in general was always, it was pretty agonizing for her and with her. And, you know, we gave her all the resources that we could possibly give her with, you know, things like in our area, we have, you know, Title I services for, for math and for reading and, and tutors. And um, she just, she struggled and struggled and struggled. And at the end of the day, you know, as she got older and got to high school level, we got to a point where we we just had to put it on her. It's one thing if your child is, is struggling with a concept and you need to step in and sit down and oh yeah, let me try and help you with this math problem or let's let's go over this, you know this this paragraph or this uh, this paper and and work together a little bit. Um, I mean that that is part of our job, I think, to to step in and to be mm-hmm. that resource and to help to a point. Mm-hmm. But you know, school is just symbolic of life. You're give, they we're giving our kids all of these tasks and these responsibilities to prepare them for the tasks and the responsibilities of adult life that mimic a lot of these things and that they're learning in school. So it's like, just like you said, like it's theirs, they have to own it. And if she wasn't going to pass in an assignment, I mean, she was always really good about that. I mean, she, 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 she was, (laughs) she was challenging to, it was challenging to get her to sit down and do it. Um, She would do it. And if for whatever reason she didn't want to, we just said, look, you're in, in middle school or you're in high school and you know what the consequences of those decisions are. So that's, that's in your hands and the outcome is entirely up to you. And we made that really clear. And you know, there were some times she dropped some balls here and there for sure. And realized that the consequences were, were not worth it. And, you know, rallied and, and, figured out a way to navigate through whatever work was challenging for her. But um, I mean, I, I just really believe that, that kids need to own all of their stuff as much as they possibly can, because having us sit with them and build the diorama for them does nothing for them. Having us write the paper, having us, you know, have the conversation with the coach about their behavior or their participation does nothing for them um, does nothing to prepare them for what comes after all of it when they're out on their own and we're not there. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely agree with what you're saying in terms of, you know, when they're in school and that that's their job, essentially, mm-hmm. that's what they have to be responsible for. So um, we always made it very clear that this is the expectation and whatever way you need to get it done, get it done. And if you don't, you bear the brunt of that. Mm-hmm. It's hard though. It's, it's really, it's really hard to sit back and watch those consequences happen. Cause our brains yeah. go a million miles ahead. Like, Oh, if my child does like chooses to not do this homework for these, this month or whatever, they're going to be, then they're going to fail. There's grade. They're going to be a juvenile delinquent. They're going to be, yep. you know, out on the street, right? Like that's where our brains go. Have you, do you know of any ways that we can start to kind of stop that to be more present with that to any strategies to to help us let go of some of these some of these things and and allow these imperfections in ourselves and our kids you know i i think that one of the things that help, has helped me the most and i know it's it's helped a lot of other people out there that i know kind of practice this this philosophy 
is we, we just have to remember that our kids are the ones that, you know, they want all this responsibility. They want to be in charge. They want to be in control. Um, we, we just have to remind them that they are the ones that have to execute and, and, and to the best of their ability. And they're, what we have to remind ourselves as parents is that the way they execute and the way they carry out their own responsibilities, that's, we, we internalize it and think it's a direct reflection of us. Mm-hmm. Like if my kid didn't make the team, it's because I didn't practice with them enough. If my kid didn't get a good grade or my kid isn't in honors classes or my kid isn't in um, AP classes, then, then I have somehow dropped that ball as a parent or they don't get into the Ivy league school. Well, that's on me. That's, I think the biggest tip that I would say, and this goes back to what we talked about a little, a little bit ago and touched on just the notion of comparing yourself Mm -hmm. to other parents and other kids. I think that the, one of the best things that we can do is stop assuming that every single thing that your child is doing is a direct reflection of of us in an, in you know if it doesn't work out well that it, that it reflects on us negatively it's just life that's just life and they're going to nail some things and they're going to screw some things up and the irony about the things that they screw up is that the some of the the best life lessons are on the other side of the screw up mm-hmm. you know i mean we oh, yeah. we all want so desperately for uh, everything to work out for our kids, everything to work out for ourselves and and everything to be, you know, kind of wrapped up in a nice, neat little bow. And we obviously, nobody likes conflict or stress, but, um, and everybody loves the the win, but there's a lot to be learned from the losses and, and we shouldn't be afraid to experience those. That's, I mean, I guess it's all tied into the same tip, but that's, we have to accept that it's not always going to work out the way they plan or the way we plan. And we just have to be willing to kind of dig into those moments, understand why they didn't work out, understand why they didn't become what we wanted them to become and kind of deconstruct them and say, okay, well, what can we learn? Where can we, where can we go from here? How can we avoid having that happen? Um, You know, if if they tank a test, well, how can we do it better? What do you need? What's a be- what's what resources did you not have that you could have benefited from? Um, mm-hmm. Things mm-hmm. like that. I you know I think I don't think that we should be as fearful as as a culture. I don't think we should be as fearful of the the bad moments and the upsetting moments and the losses because you know there's a lot of truth within them. I couldn't agree more. I think that as a culture we're really focused on comfort. And pleasure, mm-hmm. we're always grasping towards what's pleasant and pushing away what's unpleasant. And we just don't want to deal with what's unpleasant. And it, we're fearful of what's unpleasant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm so thinking about that. And I, I completely agree. You know, there's the best life lessons are on the other side of the screw up. Amen. Right. Yes. I mean, that's the way we learn the the strongest lessons. I mean, that's the way everything that I do in this podcast and the, the book and the course all comes from the other side of me screaming at my kid and scaring yeah. the Jesus out of her, you know? Yep. So, so that the other things, you know, these come on the other side of a screw up. So knowing that knowing in, you know, in your heart of heart, you know, Lisa, that they, that this, 
that you don't want to fear the unpleasant, that you don't want to, you don't want to like avoid things that are, are, are scary and unpleasant. How do you personally like ground yourself to be able to deal with it? Maybe. And how do you do it now? And, and how did you do it when your kids were younger? I think, you know, it was much different when my kids were younger. It was harder. I was in, you know, I was a new parent. I mean, look at you. Do you know the same things or believe the same things or see things in the same way now with your kids that you did 10 years ago? No way, Jose. No, right, exactly. So, you know, and I was no different. I mean, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I just had this goal of trying to make, you know, what the over-under, you know, I wanted, I, I wanted to make... Um, better, more better decisions than crappy decisions. And, mm. you know, you, you just, you, you hope for that. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Um, how did I? Are there, are there like uh, practices? How do you, how do you, how do you steady your own heart so that you can ride the waves of all, you know, that you describe? like the, the life is gonna, like, it's not going to go as expected. Yeah. I, you know what? I think I just really, um, I really relied on the fact that experience is the biggest is the biggest and best teacher for our children. And that, you know, I, I had a lot of faith. I grew a lot of faith over time in the fact that if my kids knew that I was right there beside them, I was supporting them. I was, I was there if they needed me that I, I could let them have the bad experiences. I could let them fall and hit the ground and I could, you know, be there to help steady them and get them back up. But I, I had to just learn how to step back. And that was, that was really what I think the biggest takeaway for me as I've, I've grown older. And of course, as they've grown older, and this is just the nature of, you know, your kids getting more and more independent and self-sufficient and going off on their own and doing their own thing and having jobs and having lives that don't always include us, which is something that's, you know, that's, that's for me, I have one who's, you know, who lives in Boston now. She doesn't live under our roof anymore. My youngest is still here dying to get out. But I, I mean, um, I've really just tried my best and I know my husband has too, to just let them, um, you know, and embrace their own decisions in the way that they feel they need to. And, um, and kind of, we all deal with the consequences, whether they're good consequences or bad consequences on the other side and, and know that there's always room to make a different decision later on. Like we've really relied on that. Like what, what's the worst thing that happens when you make a really terrible decision? Well, you, you know, you rally, you take that knowledge you, you kind of um, internalize it and you come back around and you make a better decision. And, and I, I think what I was asking was like, like thinking about your, your own, you, Lisa, as a person, like your own yeah. heart and mind, like what practices or, you know, it, it, do you do that you wake up in the morning, you say, thank you. What, what else do you, is that all that you need to help to steady yourself? Uh, to oh things? God, no. No, <laughs> there's a lot of meditation involved. <laughs> there's, um, there's, you know, uh, I have my own, um, you know, my own routines. I mean, we all have our own daily practices and routines. And, you know, um, it definitely starts with gratitude. It starts, you know, it continues on with movement. It, it, it continues on, 
um, to, to doing things like journaling and writing down my intentions every day, um, the things that, that are important to me, the things that I, uh, I want to either accomplish or, or stay cognizant of every day. Um, you know, and I've taught my kids or tried to teach my daughters to do the same. Many of, you know, many of those, those same types of practices they are now taking into their own lives, which I, which I really appreciate. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, those, are, for me, those are the things that, that really ground me. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, it's especially, especially fitness. Um, I would yeah, most too. definitely I get, be lost without that. Me too. I, I call it, I have to get my yayas out. <laughs> yeah, your yayas out. That's great. <laughs> Daily have to get my yayas out. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and, and you're a meditator. I am. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, what kind of it, practice it, do you do? Um, you know, I, I, I actually... Had, believe it or not, um, I have in the past six months, especially um, leaned into an app, like the whole world is leaning into all their apps nowadays. And and there's one that, that I found, because I was traveling quite a bit, especially when our book came out last year, I was traveling quite a bit and um, practicing meditation and practicing yoga. Um, it's not always easy to hop into a class and, and while you're on the road trying to fit that into your schedule. So I would always have a travel yoga mat and would use this app every day that would allow me to, you know, get in a quick flow and have a guided meditation, um, a five minute, a 10 minute, 20 minute, whatever, the, whatever I had the ability to fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've used that pretty faithfully for, for years, but just recently in the course of this whole pandemic, I've really kind of kicked my meditation practice back up again. I've always been very consistent uh, with my yoga practice, but um, I've found that the, the one of the things that's really, really helped to create a sense of balance for me is to be able to just spend a little bit of time in my own head, mm-hmm. um, quietly kind of, bef- you know, it's one of the first things that I do in the morning before the sun comes up. I'm a really, really, really early riser. So I, I love that time before the rest of the world is, is moving and active and before anyone needs anything from me, I make sure that, that I'm getting what I need for myself before I'm in a position of having to give the rest of my family or, or the other people in my life what they need. Um, and so that, that, that time, whether it is only five or 10 minutes um, of just being calm and being quiet and being present um, and kind of allowing those thoughts to just filter in and filter out and, and see what's cluttering my mind. It's a very, it's a great litmus test for, for, um, recognizing what's really on your mind because those are the big thoughts that keep creeping back into your quiet space. And, um, and that's, that's kind of a way for me to siphon out, you know, what's really on my mind or, um, something I have to really work through. So it's, it's a great, it's a great exercise in clarity for me that I, that I just love. And I've, so I've been doing an awful lot of it the last six months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, for me, my meditation practice during the last six months, which we are recording this in COVID pandemic 2020. So <laughs> dear listener, if you're in the future and you're like, what are they talking about? Um, yeah, for me, my meditation, I've, I've relied a lot um, more in the last six months on guided meditations, like just yeah, the idea too. that to have that 
support and scaffolding uh, that has been really helpful. And I think probably in a time when we just feel less, you know, we have uh, have less contact in general. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, Lisa, I love uh, talking to you about your book, How to Raise Perfectly Imperfect Kids. <laughs> You're, you are walking the walk. There uh, were other things, of course, that I would love to chat about, but um, thinking about, you know, any any final words of advice for somebody who's earlier on in this journey and and anything you want to leave the listener with? Yeah, I mean, I would honestly say just just learn to let go. Learn to let go of, of the preconceptions that you have. If you're a new parent, um, just expect that there are going to be things that are going to derail you. They're going to derail your kids. And don't be afraid of those things. Um, lean into those things. Work together through those things because more often than not, it's the things that don't go the way that we want that ultimately kind of bring us to a, a, a better place because we, um, we, we didn't expect what was on the other side because we had such a, a strong perception of what uh, a situation was supposed to be that we, you can't, sometimes you just can't think of any other possibilities until all of a sudden everything goes upside down and you end up in a completely different place and it's a better place. So I would say just kind of, you know, in, embrace the perfectly imperfectness because it's definitely not something to fear. It's, it's something to, um, to really dive into. Yay. This has been such a pleasure to talk to you. Lisa, where can people find out about more about you and your work and your books and your columns? Uh, they can always find me at uh, lisasugarman.com. That's that's my website. That's where uh, you can find out anything about um, my books, my radio show, Life Unfiltered, um, and my my column as well. It is what it is. And you can find me at Lisa underscore Sugarman on Instagram. Uh, you can find me at the Lisa Sugarman on Facebook. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for your time. It's been a oh, pleasure. Thank you for it's... being this voice of, of acceptance and awareness in the world. It, it's a great voice to have out there. I, I really appreciate that the viewpoint and the kind of, I see this sort of like as an open arms of like ex- embracing our uh, embracing our imperfections, embracing our tumbles, embracing our falls and saying, you know, you're that you're still enough. You're still enough and you're still, there's nothing wrong with you. And Hey, I'm right there with you. And I really, um, I really appreciate that message and what you're bringing to the world. So thank you. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It was a great conversation. Lisa has a great perspective, doesn't she? I love what she has to say about, you know, we have to let our kids fail. We have to step back a little bit. I mean, that's hard. That's hard. We've been doing some of that, you know, and it's it's not so easy. And this whole thing, like this whole pandemic parenting thing, like we're not going to get it perfect. We're not. We're all going to remember this and maybe have scars and maybe be more resilient from this like both ourselves and our kids and yeah this is hard please don't be hard on yourself for not getting every single thing right because you're not going to I'm not going to but we can bring ourselves to a place of 
love, a place of peace. We can choose positivity again and again and again, begin anew again and again and again. And that's where we can get it right. That's the place to aim for. I I invite you to do that. Um, I would love to see your takeaways from this. I hope you're subscribed to the podcast. And will you leave a a review on the uh, Apple Podcasts app? It makes such a big difference helping people find the podcast. I know it's a pain in the butt. And so you, dear listener, you who have not left that review yet, but you've been listening for a while and you've been enjoying the podcast and you think it's pretty good, maybe, maybe now you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave that review uh, this week. And I know it's a pain sometimes to do some things like that, but it really makes a huge difference in this small act can make a big difference. And I would love to give you a shout out here on the podcast when you do. So as a, as a thank you, I hope you're doing well, my friend. I wish you peace. Let's practice. Let's be intentional about that positivity. Oh, let me not forget the mindful parenting teacher training. Sorry, this outro is all over the place. The mindful parenting teacher training, by the way, the deadline is December 18th. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com slash teach to learn more and to schedule a call with me. Okay, I think I've checked all my boxes now. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm so sorry. Let's let's blame it on pandemic brain. Can we do that? Oh my goodness. Anyway, I do. I wish for me more peace. I wish for you more peace. And I'm, I wish it for me because I know that as I sit in my meditation each morning, as I take that time, as I... I sit even though sometimes my mind is like a crazy, crazy place, jumping all over the place. And I know that it makes a difference over the long term. I know that it makes a difference in the the way I parent my kids and the way I show up for my friends, my family, for you, for my work. So I invite you to do that. Do some practices to steady your heart at this time. And sometimes we can't do it for ourselves as easily as we can do it for others. So do it for others. It makes a difference to all of us. And I will be practicing with you. And I will be being completely imperfect with you. I'll be making my mistakes with you too. Okay. Wishing you a beautiful week. I'll be back in your ears next week, my friend. Namaste. I'd say definitely do it. It's really helpful. It will change your relationship with your kids for the better. It will help you communicate better. And just, I'd say communicate better as a person, as a wife, as a spouse. It's been really a positive influence in our lives. So definitely do it. I'd say definitely do it. It's so worth it. The money really is inconsequential when you get so much benefit from being a better parent to your children and feeling like you're connecting more with them and not feeling like you're yelling all the time or you're like, why isn't things working? I would say definitely do it. It's so, so worth it. It'll change you. No matter what age someone's child is, it's a great opportunity for personal growth and it's a great investment in someone's family. I'm very thankful I have this. You can continue in your old habits that aren't working or you can learn some new tools and gain some perspective to shift everything in your parenting. Are you frustrated by parenting? Do you listen to the experts and try all the tips and strategies, but you're just not seeing the results that you want? Or are you lost as to where to start? Does it all seem so overwhelming with too much to learn? Are you yearning for a community of people who get it, who also don't want to threaten and punish to create cooperation? 
Hi, I'm Hunter Clarkfields, and if you answered yes to any of these questions, I want you to seriously consider the Mindful Parenting membership. You will be joining hundreds of members who have discovered the path of mindful parenting and now have confidence and clarity in their parenting. This isn't just another parenting class. This is an opportunity to really discover your unique, lasting relationship, not only with your children, but with yourself. It will translate into lasting, connected relationships, not only with your children, but your partner too. Let me change your life. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com to add your name to the waitlist, so you will be the first to be notified when I open the membership for enrollment. I look forward to seeing you on the inside mindfulparentingcourse.com. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. 